I think this is my turn for the opportunity to share the message from God's Word. If you have the bulletin and you're you're watching it, going along with it, I'm going to stick very closely with it. And even in the introduction, I want to just emphasize that the lesson today really it shares with us a great implication there. We really have to, as members of God's house, God's family, there's a definite way that we are to conduct ourselves. And if we do not conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of our calling, uh, there are great implications. And that is what we're going to look at today and consider. But first of all, some basic things from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, the, the, ba- the lesson basically is all contained in, in uh, verses 13 and 14, and verse 15 in particular has the information we need. But verse 14, Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy has been sent to Ephesus to, to get things right there. They, um, there apparently was great reason for Timothy to be sent because there was, as you look back in chapter 1, some false doctrines that were being promoted and some arguments over some silly, worthless things. And so in verse 1 Timothy 3, 14, Paul wrote, and he says, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I'm delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So some basic things, some obvious things, perhaps to some of us, are in here that I want to reiterate and to think about. First of all, a person who believes in Jesus Christ and submits to him in baptism is born again into a new family. So notice there's some this idea of being born again that kind of fits with the idea of family. When we're immersed into Christ, we are born again, born anew into a new family. And that family is the house of God or the household of God. This verse talks about the household of God. When you're in the household of God, you are in his household because you have been added to that family, added to that number. So remember the importance of baptism. If you want to be in the family of God, you need to be immersed into Christ Jesus, into his family born anew, gaining a new family. And we are that family. So remember that that this idea of the household of God, it's so very significant. How to get into that household is significant. It is so very important. But being then, once you are in that family, being a part of any family demands certain conduct so that your family name will be honored and not disgraced. So I have a question for you. Uh, did did uh, did you ever have a family member or, or mom or a dad or a grandparent indicate to you to re- remember who you are, 
Remember, you're a Snyder. Remember, you're a Noble. You're an Owens. You know, whatever it might be, you are a Rally. You know, these, the idea that when you're a part of a family, there is expectation of how a family operates. So we have to remember uh, who we are as family members because if we act in a way that disgraces our family, it doesn't affect just us, it affects that whole family. It might be something that some of you have said to your children. Remember who you are. And there is an indication there that when you go out, you do not act in such a way to disgrace our name. There is another aspect of this, too, is that you remember who you are. By remembering who you are, remember you're a Snyder. You can do this. You are strong. You are you are able to do this. You're part of a family that comes from a line of people who do great things. And so that's part of that family name also. So don't disgrace the name and also live up to the name. So that is typical of families. That's how families operate. And that's how we think as being a part of a family. Then we have a name to uphold. And this is even more necessary when we enter into the family of the living God. So notice in our verse, it says uh, um, after saying, I write to you so that you, you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is, is the church of the living God. You know, that's that idea of this, the living God, when you're a member of God's family, the house of the living God, one true God, that takes everything up a whole nother level. That is of great importance to us to uphold the family name and not disgrace the name of God or of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And also that idea of, hey, if you remember who you are in Christ and you're part of the family of God, then you've got this thought of, hey, we, I can do great things with my Father, with Jesus Christ. I can do great things. Not only do I not want to disgrace his name, but I want to bring glory and honor to the name of Christ. And... <clears throat> There is the, here we start to get into the implications of why this is so important. Because when when one discuss when one's conduct disgraces the family of God, then weak believers will fall away. If one's conduct disgraces God, or we act in a way unbecoming of God or of the family, then non-believers can point to us and say, "I don't want to be a part of that." They are given a reason to stay in their lost state. So there's the, the idea that, that some of us have heard before that we might be the only Bible that people read. When people are looking at us and considering what it means to be a Christian, if they, if we fail in some regard, and especially if we consistently fail, then that gives weak Christians are going to say, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm just as good, you know, with my other buddies. I don't need this family. It's not necessary. It's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. So there's no, no incentive to be continue in Christ because the ones who are already in Christ render it meaningless. 
We have, we can't be hypocrites. We must live up to the name that we are a part of, the family that we are a part of. Let us not disgrace the family of God and give people a reason to walk away from Christ or never even be interested in following Jesus in his way. Um, the scripture says they will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. If we don't love one another, then we're not upholding the family name. God is love. If we're not helping others to see love and to know the truth, they're going to walk away. And the reason that they, if they stay in their lost state because we have failed to conduct ourselves properly in the household of God, there is going to be great, terrible, you know, ramifications for us on the judgment day. We are going to be responsible for that. Do people come to Christ because they look at us and long to be a part of, of what we, what we show or will they turn away? All right. So there is another word that I want to look at and key in on this, this passage. As it says, you ought to know, you, you need to know how one ought to conduct ourselves. This is how, this is why he, Paul is, is writing. I want you to know how you ought to conduct yourself. This is what you should be doing, what you must do. He says, how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God. You're part of God's family, which is the church of the living God. So I talked about the living God, how that just ratchets up the importance and the impact of our responsibility in God's family. And there is the word that I skipped, though, which is the church of the living God. He's reminding people that you are the church, God's family. And, and think about this. This might be a little bit different of a way of, of, of thanking for some people. The idea of church, instead of thinking of it as a name or a noun, think of it as a description. Because the, God's family is described as the church. We indicating that we have been called out from sin and darkness. So the, the word church means something. It's describing something. The word church isn't just something you apply to a building or to, or it's just a group of people that are assembled. No, in scripture, this is the indication from that Greek word ecclesia. It indicates this idea of being called out. And in the New Testament context, it's telling, telling us that we as the church, we are the ones who have been called out from sin and darkness, and we have had entered into a new kingdom, the kingdom of light. So I want to, just thinking about this word church, I want us to look at a couple of passages here. The first one, open your Bibles, First Peter chapter 2. And in First Peter chapter 2, it highlights so many of the concepts that we're looking at from, from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And the implications and the necessity for us to conduct ourselves properly so that others will know that, that Christ is really the Son of God and need to come to Him. So in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, I want you to listen for the concept of being called out. So the importance of the church to be removed from the ways of the world, conduct ourselves properly in the church, 
the implications of it, and also this idea that we are the family of God. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. If I can pause there, God's family, you've been called out of being in the worldly family, Satan's family. Now you have been called out of that into God's family, the kingdom, the, you've been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but you are now the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the, the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So here's the full concept, and I think we get this exact same picture from 1 Timothy 3.15. You're in a new family. You're not in Satan's family anymore. You're in God's family, and there's a way you ought to conduct yourself. And when you conduct yourself in the proper way, in God's way, others will see that, and they'll have that opportunity to come to the truth. They want to, God says, uh, keep your behavior excellent. First Peter three two twelve. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that there's a reason for it. God wants the truth, the knowledge of Christ, the love of Christ to be known to everyone. In Acts chapter twenty six, uh, verse number eighteen. This is, in this passage, Paul is recounting, uh, the fact of what God had called him to. Ananias came to him and, and said, God wants you to go out and preach to, preach to everybody, share the gospel. This is what it says in Acts 26, verse 18. Um, he was told to go to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So this is the essence of what it means to come to Christ. We leave the world of darkness, we leave Satan's domain and come under the domain of Christ. We come into God's kingdom. He rules and reigns over us. We continue to conduct ourselves in a manner that's that's the way that we used to be, then we're not really in his kingdom. We haven't given him dominion in our lives. So let us act like we are in God's kingdom. That's what it means to be in the church. Um, in First Thessalonians chapter two, verses ten through twelve, it talks of it just 
basically says is the Christians must walk in a manner worthy of God and his wonderful kingdom. We've got to walk in a manner worthy. Whenever you hear the Bible talk about walk in this way, it means you're in your life you're taking a path and you're staying on a straight and narrow path. This is how you live. You walk in a manner. You must live in a manner worthy of God. Don't disgrace his name. You're part of the family of God. You're part of God's wonderful and powerful kingdom. Let us act like it. I added a, a point here, which I, I don't know why it came to me as I was thinking about this, how our actions, it's just this, it's this outward display that must show that it really shows that there has been an inward change. And I was reminded of uh, a lot of theologies of, of men. They talk about that at baptism, that it's an inward, an outward sign of an inward change. And I don't think that's wrong. I think baptism, it is an outward display of what God is doing in that present moment. God is, you're, you're dying and being raised. That's true spiritually. Just as you are being physically immersed and raised up, you are spiritually being immersed and raised up. The contention I have with most of the folks who use that language of baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. They would, they would say, well, it's an outward sign of an inward change that had already taken place. You know, it happened a long, you know, a week ago or three months ago or two years ago. And I'm like, no. Baptism is the moment when God does his wonderful work, when you submit to him. But the truest, not everybody's going to be witness to your baptism when God does this wonderful work inwardly. But as you live your life, I think this change in conduct, when you live according to God's ways, this is then that change in conduct and behavior and living according to God's ways and the word of Christ. That is the true outward sign of an inward change. So it's true for baptism, and it's true then as we continue to live our lives. We must always show that we are a part of God's kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. All right, so that's the idea of being called out. We're, it's different. We're new, and we need to live like it and act like it. And then on down towards the end here, then I want to tack in. Here is where, uh, it, according to First Timothy, it really puts this all into perspective. And, it, well, at the end of that verse, as I get back in my Bible, in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, as he's describing the, God's family, how we ought to conduct ourselves in it, he says it's the, the household of God which is the church of the living God. One more description. The pillar and support of the truth. This is a reminder. This, as you put all this concept together, you can come away with understanding that if you, any inappropriate conduct within the church is going to undermine the truth. How we live is what is the support pillar for truth. The church is the pillar of truth. Christians who have been called out of, out of the world into the kingdom of light, we are the ones who support the truth. Inappropriate conduct 
undermines the truth. If you have a, a pillar that's been erected and holding something up, and you go under what the, the bottom of that pillar and start digging away at the ground, if you m- do some mining underneath the pillar, you will destroy the structure. You want somebody to go under your home and start digging a tunnel underneath your home? Not a wise thing. You are going to, everything will collapse. The church is the pillar and support of the truth. And if we are not acting as we ought, if we're not conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of God, then we are undermining the truth. We are going to destroy it. It is going to collapse. We've already indicated that if we're not acting like we ought, then weak Christians might fall away. And those who are not in Christ might choose to say, hey, I don't want to be a part of that. They're not acting like it makes a difference. They're just sinners too. We are undermining the truth. We can be the cause that allows lost souls to stay lost. Let us take highly this description, this the, the concepts that are here as we connect them in our mind. They're more than just descriptions. They're reminders we got to remember that we have a certain way that we conduct ourselves because we are the, uh, we are the family of God and we need to be upholding the truth. When we don't act like we ought, we are destroying the whole thing. So how must we act as believers? It's laid out for us in Scripture. Paul has written these things down for Timothy. He wrote things down for for the churches in all the places that he went to, the churches in Galatia, in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Colossae, he wrote what, how we ought to act in the church. We must follow what he has written. Jesus, as he spoke, shared with us the wonderful words of life and how we ought to live and conduct ourselves in the household of faith. So let us live in the way that we ought. Let us show that our confession was true. When we came to Christ, we confessed that we needed a Savior, and we confessed more than that, we confessed Christ as a Savior. As you look in the next verse, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness, who who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Jesus Christ, he he came here in the flesh. He died, but he rose again. He was vindicated. And he he is being pronounced in all the world. Let us make this Christ real to people by living as we ought. And if we don't, then we're falling away from the faith, just like all these false prophets that are named by name in this book. But in chapter 4, verse 1, to continue where we were at, it says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Let us not fall away from the faith. Let us know the Word of God as we 
as we should. Let us live according to it. Let us teach it because we are the pillar and support of the truth. We are the pillar and support of the truth. Let us live as we ought. Let the truth of Christ be proclaimed. Let people be able to look at us and know that there is a God and Jesus is Lord. So I encourage you to be uh, just inspired to live for Christ because we have an impact on the world. I want you to, you know, be more than just inspired. I want you to, to know that we can really reach out and share the message of Christ with others and that they can come to know him. It's up to us. We must live according to our faith. So if there's anybody who needs the prayers of the church, we want to encourage you to find uh, someone to pray with and be encouraged. Uh, if there's anybody who needs to come to Christ, you let us know. Uh, you make it known today so that we can help you uh, make that great and wonderful confession so that you can live according to your faith all your days. If you need to respond, I want to encourage, we're going to encourage you to do that with this song of invitation.